It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN, FM, Ann Arbor. Let's see what happens if I do this. Eh. We are, in fact, broadcasting from... Wait, here we go. That's it. If Pandora's Box is a box of chocolates, would I know to stay away? What's said If Pandora's Box is a box of chocolates, would I eat them anyway? Cause every time I have half a mind to leave you, babe, that means I have half a mind to stay. Yes, that's exactly what I meant. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. It is a show about food, and as a matter of fact, we are broadcasting right now from a lunchbox. This is some double this is a double wide lunchbox provided to us from the University of Michigan so that we could bring you Pandora's Lunchbox and other programs in a different sort of feel, different kind of feel. This is a show about food, as I've mentioned. I'm disoriented inside the lunchbox, but nonetheless, we're going to talk about heirloom vegetables today. We're going to talk about a cow that got away, and we're going to talk about a candy bar that's not for girls. All of these things coming up on Pandora's Lunchbox. But first of all, let's get straight to the cow that got away. This is from the Associated Press. And this is from Spalding Township, Michigan. Not to be confused with Spalding Gray. This is Spalding Township. A Saginaw County steer's unique hide may save it from someone's dinner table. The animal is named Michigan, and for a good reason. 
The Saginaw News reports the pattern on one of its sides resembles the state's mitten shape. The pattern on the other side is shaped like a U. It's one of 30 cattle on Jacob and Georgia Jacob the a rewind. It's one of 30 cattle on Jacob and Georgia Kessler's family-run farm in Spalding Township, about 80 miles northwest of Detroit. Cattle from the farm are eventually sold for beef, but the owners are willing to sell the steer for promotional or mascot use instead of shipping it to the slaughterhouse. This is from the Saginaw News from the Associated Press. A cow that has an image of the state of Michigan on one of its sides and has the shape of a U on the other side. And this song is for you, Michigan the cow. I got the milk em in the morning, feed em. Milk em in the evening blues. This old barnyard heifer got me blue down to my shoes. I get up every morning for anything stirs. I get smacked with a tail full of cuckle burrs. I got the milk em in the morning, feed em. Milk em in the evening blues. I got the milk em in the morning, feed em. Milk em in the evening blues. This old walleye jersey ain't worth the cud that she chews. I work hard all day a bringing in my crops. Then I have to milk you and you won't give nine drops. I got the milk em in the morning, feed em. Milk em in the evening blues. So, stand still, you leather-headed old heifer. Sick and tired of coming out here every cold morning trying to milk you. Now stand still. Saw down. I got the milk them in the morning, feed them. Milk them in the evening blue. I don't know why I don't sell you, except look at the money I'd lose. You put your foot in the bucket. Kick over the stool I swear I'm gonna swap you for a blue-nosed mule I got the milk them in the morning Feed them Milk them in the evening blues I got the milk them in the morning Feed them Milk them in the evening blues Now, look here, old heifer I'm really gonna tell you some news Even though I said you wouldn't give nine squirts <laughs> Bless your old heart, I love you so much it hurts. I got the milk them in the morning, feed them. Milk them in the evening blue. Get over, gal. Milk them in the evening blue. Lordy, that's Tennessee Ernie Fordy. Tennessee Ernie Ford. And that's Milk them in the morning blues. That's a beautiful, beautiful piece of music there. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. It's a show about food and animules and all kinds of things. Uh, Going to a moment for non-animules, in fact, vegetables specifically. Project Grow is based in Ann Arbor, and it has some classes for people who want to grow things naturally, but they also have some classes for people who want to grow things that are a bit more unconventional, but used to be conventional. What I'm trying to say in a roundabout way is that heirloom vegetables are around their vegetables, which... Here we go. This This is what I want to tell you here. This is from... Wikipedia. Before the industrialization of agriculture, a much wider variety of plant foods was grown. There was a bigger variety. 
In modern agriculture and the industrialized world, most food crops are now grown in large monocultural plots. That just sounds really delicious. I could go for a good monoculture. In order to maximize consistency, a few few varieties of each type of crop are grown. These varieties are often selected for their productivity, their ability to withstand mechanical picking and cross-country shipping, and their tolerance to drought, frost, or pesticides. Things like nutrition, flavor, and variety are frequently secondary and tertiary concerns, if they're concerns at all. But heirloom gardening can be seen as a reaction to this trend. People are growing varieties of plants and fruits and things that were quite plentiful a long time ago, but are not as plentiful now. Some people are finding them, and they're making them more widely available. What's interesting is that heirlooms have adapted over time to whatever climate and soil they've grown in, so on their own, they've become very able to adapt to conditions around them. Thanks to their genetics... Genetics? Of heirlooms, they're often resistant to local pests, diseases, and extremes of weather, and Darwin would be quite proud. Now, heirloom roses are sometimes collected from cemeteries where they were once planted at grave sites by mourners and left undisturbed in the decades since. So, getting some very down-to-earth things there in the garden. Heirloom vegetables. Now, what Project Grow is going to do is to have a workshop on how to grow and take care of heirloom vegetables. This workshop is going to be Saturday the 23rd from 10 to 11.30 a.m. in the Leslie Science and Nature Center. That's at 1831 Traver Road, Ann Arbor. And you can find out about that at projectgrowgardens.org. You can register by calling 996 3196 or again projectgrowgardens.org Speaking of heirloom varieties I want to read you some names of some because it's just so fun to talk about the different kinds How about some tomatoes some heirloom tomatoes you've seen some of the things in stores and some of them are kind of ugly and scary looking but they're really not that scary if you just you got you, you can't look them directly in the eyes no wait those are potatoes you can't look potatoes directly in the eyes tomatoes you can look them in the eye I'm sorry I'm getting a little confused here but nonetheless a couple of different kinds of heirloom tomatoes. How about the black crim? It's a dark red to brown cultivar often cited online as being from the island of Krim in the Black Sea, better known as the Crimean Peninsula in Ukraine. Crimea is known in Ukrainian as Krim. There's the brandy wine. The t- tomato listed as simply brandy wine is one of the tomato varieties responsible for the ascendance of the popularity of heirloom varieties because of its excellent flavor and somewhat clouded history. Mm. It's a large fruited pink variety produced on vigorous potato leaf foliage plants. It was passed on from the Suddeth family to an Ohio tomato enthusiast named Ben Quisenberry. I love this. Many seed savers traded seeds with Ben, and brandy wine eventually became widely available. Though a variety named Brandywine was offered in the late 1800s by the Stokes and Johnson Seed Company, that appeared to be a red-fruited variety with regular leaf foliage. More likely is that Brandywine is a descendant of two similar, if not identical, varieties offered in the 1800s, the Mikado, I love it, which is from the Henderson Seed Company, or Turner's Hybrid from the Burpee Seed Company, and I really like to say Burpee quite a lot. Other kinds of varieties of heirloom tomatoes are the Cherokee Purple, one of the very first known black or deep dusky rose-colored cultivars that are becoming so popular. Named in 1990 by a fellow named Craig, whose last name I don't dare try to pronounce, who received seeds of an unnamed cultivar in the mail from J.D. Green of Tennessee. Mr. Green indicated, 
that the purple tomato cultivar was given by the Cherokee Indians to his neighbor 100 years ago. Related to the Cherokee purple are the Cherokee chocolate. There's a Cherokee chocolate tomato, a a Cherokee green tomato, which emerged from the Cherokee chocolate, also in Craig's garden in 1997, and appears to be a flesh color mutation. This is all very mysterious and somewhat creepy, but all good. Green zebra is another kind of heirloom tomato. Oh, hold on. It's not, it's often called an heirloom, but it's not. It's an open pollinated cultivar bred from four heirloom varieties and released by Tom Wagner of Lancaster, Kansas in 1983. So these are some of the varieties of heirloom tomatoes. We'll talk about some other ones because there are some really great names of these things. But in the meantime, I want to skip to another vegetable, namely, wait, this vegetable, if I look in this book here, this vegetable is called, here it comes, this is the Woolrich, Woolwich and Greenwich. Or perhaps I would call it the Dennis Kucinich. We'll explain in a moment, but first of all, we need to learn you about this, educate you, educate you, like this. Spinach has vitamin A, B, and D, but spinach never appealed to me. But one day while having dinner with a guy, I decided to give it a try I didn't like it the first time It was so new to me I didn't like it the first time I was so young, you see I used to run away from the stuff But now somehow I can't get enough I didn't like it the first time Oh, how it grew on me I didn't like it the first time I had it on a date Although the first was the worst time Right now I think it's great Somehow it's always hitting the spot Especially when they bring it in hot I didn't like it the first time But oh how it grew on me so strange I wasn't getting much younger so I just made the change no longer is the stuff on the shelf cause now I make a pig of myself I didn't like it the first time but oh how it grew on me I didn't like it the first time Guess I was mighty green But I've stocked up Cause I've gotten wise I got enough for two dozen guys I didn't like it the first time But oh how it grew on me I didn't like it the first time But oh how it grew on me 
Oh, how it grew on me, indeed. That was the spinach song. The spinach song, subtitled, I didn't like it the first time, in case you didn't get it the first time. If you didn't get it the first time. It's Julia Lee, great singer. She also does a song about solid potato salad, but I haven't found that in a long time, so I'm looking out for that, but that is Julia Lee. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. It's a show about food. We've talked about heirloom varieties of tomatoes and other things, not for something completely unnatural, pork pies. The reason I'm talking about pork pies is because I have a piece of paper in front of me that says pork pie. Specifically, we're going to talk about the... Actually, okay, there are two main varieties of pork pie from this entry from Wikipedia, definitely written by a British fellow or woman. There are two main types of pork pie generally available in commercial outlets. The Melton Mowbray pork pie uses uncured meat, whilst the common pie uses cured meat. This gives the meat in the Melton pie a gray color, which, while commercial pies commonly have pink meat. A Melton Mowbray pie also commonly has a hand-formed crust and often looks slightly irregular in shape after baking, as with any handmade pie. Now, the Melton Mowbray pie, I've got a picture of one. This is from a website called robertsplace.ca. Canadian, huh? So the, the English heritage moving into Canada, as it often does. The Melton Mowbray pork pie, they've got a cross-section of it. It's a pie with pork inside and has an entire egg cut into quite beautifully, quite symmetrically. It is a work of art, but perhaps edible too. But here's the story. There is actually a fight over these porkies, as they're called. This is from the BBC. The people of Melton Mowbray in Leicestershire want their pork pies recognized as a slice of history. It would mean no other manufacturers could pass off a potentially substandard pie under the Melton Mowbray tag. But the move has sparked a pie fight of epic proportions. He talks about it with the zeal of a true believer. There's the crispy, biscuity texture of the crust. The great tinge of the meat is good because pink would suggest cured pork, and that's anathema. Mmm, I love anathema. The sides of the pie, Matthew O'Callaghan says, are definitely not straight. A real Melton Mowbray pie kind of collapses on itself because it's baked freestanding, and those supermarket pies you see, he sniffs, well, they're just far too upright. Mr. O'Callaghan is the protector of the Melton Mowbray pork pie. He may protect them, but he won't actually eat them because he's a vegetarian. As far as spinach goes, he didn't like them the first time, but oh, how it grew on him. Wait, sorry, I'm reading the wrong thing. To Mr. O'Callaghan, a Melton Mowbray counselor, safeguarding the Leicester Shire delicacy is an important thing for industry, tourism, and regional pride. It's intellectual property, he says. It's part of our food heritage. Now, here's the deal. The pie fight has gone crusty because Northern Foods, which makes Melton Mowbray pork pies in factories in Shropshire and Wiltshire, and would therefore have to drop the Melton Mowbray tag, argues that it's been making pies for a century, and that itself is a good tradition. It believes the Pork Pie Association is literally trying to corner the market. Northern Foods claims the jobs of 300 of its employees are at stake. We're just keen that it should be used for the protection of our food heritage and not to prevent competition, says Julian Wilde, Northern Foods Corporate Development Director. We say it's wrong that we should be prevented from making a product that we've made for 100 years. So the Melton Mowbray pie fight, in fact, is quite a lively one. And if you stand to the side, you won't get some all over you. But nonetheless, you might want to stand close enough to, to whiff the smell of the pork pie. Now, we have heard a moment ago something which I like to call Woolwich and Greenwich. Greenwich. Woolwich and Greenwich. And also, I'd like to call it Dennis Kucinich. Why? Because it's rhyming slang. And why rhyming slang? Because I have the CD queued up, and it goes something like this. Oh, no, just kidding. 
It goes something like this. This is my chance to point out that this has nothing to do with what I was just talking about. Once there was a girl and she was right from the sticks. Thought she'd go out to the market one day. And hey, we should save the town. She was the toast, really the most. We don't want to boast, but scars of lads would all surround a city. Slicker sure went out as she walked in the marketplace. What did she see? Crew cut and cute with a crazy goatee. What a blend. He was the end selling beans. Dressed in his jeans, what a buy. She was heard to cry. I got beans out of bargain, little girl. Won't you step right up? Cast your eyes upon me where you will have no other care to be no other worry there if you see the crazy fairy will have when they clean and cooked a crazy on the table. I got them fresh this very morning from the backyard and I picked them all myself. I hope that you would come along and buy with me because well, what I'm trying to say is they taste so good. They taste so very, very, very good. Take advantage of a bargain, come on and buy some. We got string beans, snap beans, lima beans. We got the very kind of beans that I would like to put right in your fresh burger. Pretty baby, don't you see what I mean? They're the finest beans, coolest of beans. They're the best beans that you could find in this or any other marketplace. What are you trying to prove with all your talk of beans? Yes, I know that they look crazy. But they're just beans. Only beans they will have to go because of something you should know. That though I think the beans are great, well, you can leave them off my plate because they're not my favorite dish. Hey, let me say, I am not the guy who's supposed to sell beans. It's a mean to you, cause I Straight from New York to around the country with Wardell Gray. And hey, we could just say of the drums, he was the toast, relief the most. We don't want to boast, but all the crazy chicks were down him, all the crazy bands were down him. Then one day he met the one that made his head whirl. He met married the same little girl. What a blend. They are the end, they're real cool. House with a pool, crazy scenes, blended on the beach. Whenever in trouble, blame it on the beans. That's right. That is Annie Ross and Farmer's Market. Because it's about that time, it's hard to believe because it's going to be, I think, minus 30,000 tonight. Okay, actually, it's not going to be that cold. But nonetheless, it's almost Farmer's Market time. It's almost that time. It's almost spring. And it's all very exciting. Well, on Pandora's Lunchbox, we've been talking about Farmer's Markets and and about heirloom varieties of tomato called Charlie or whatever they're called. And now... We want to talk about rhyming slang because that's what we were discussing earlier. Uh, this is rhyming slang. What is rhyming slang? What is rhyming slang? I don't know. What is rhyming? Rhyming slang was something used in the Cockney tradition in London, also sometimes in Australia, sometimes in New, Ze- New Zealand, and sometimes in the U.S. In fact, it was kind of a code that became very common, so everybody actually knew it. For example, how do you say spinach? You say Woolrich and Greenwich. You might say Dennis Kucinich if that's what you really wanted to do, but it's not listed here in my book of Castle's Rhyming Slang. A famous bit of rhyming slang, probably the most famous, is actually a bit of American rhyming slang, such as getting back to brass tacks or getting down to brass tacks. 
Brass tacks rhymes with facts, and so there you go. Now, some of the rhyming slang, it's very simple. Uh, potatoes. Here we go. Um, what is a potato in rhyming slang? Well, it could be any number of things. It could be uh, navigators, which I guess rhymes with potatoes or navigators, potatoes, Spanish waiters, or for spuds, Captain Bloods, Rosebuds, or Steel Ruds. I don't know who Steel Ruds is, but if you want a prawn, you could ask for a Goldie Hawn. If you want a prune, you could ask for a Rangoon. If you want a salad, you can ask for a romantic ballad. Mike? Yeah. Uh, uh, Arwolf. Arwolf here. Yes. It's not easy to share one mic, but you it know, is. We're it all works. friends here, though. It works the other way, too. Yes, Arwolf. Because you could refer to your feet as plates of meat. And that's actually, I got that from an, a, a woman from England years ago. She told me that she used to refer to her feet as plates of meat. Mmm. I could go for some feet right now. No, wait, that's not how, I think it doesn't work that way. But nonetheless, it is, that, that, that's, uh, that's beautiful. See, rhyming slang, it's beautiful. How about some tea? Betty Lee, Dickie Lee, George Bohee, Glory B, Gypsy Lee, Hay Lee, Jenny Lee, Mother McCree, Peter and Lee, they all, Rosie. Rosie, how about some, how about some Rosie? Some soup? Would you like some bowl the hoop, iron hoop, loop the loop, or loopy the loop? How about some steak? Some Ben Flake, some Joe? See, here's the thing about rhyming slang. It's not always obvious what it's rhyming with. For instance, I'd like some Joe, which is to say steak. What? What, what it basically comes down to is Joe, steak, it's like this. Joe is short for Joe Blake, who, of course, you and I both know as, as Joe Blake. And that rhymes with steak. And so that's rhyming slang that actually chops off part of the word, and then you have to guess what it rhymes with. How about meat pie? We, we were talking about meat pies a moment ago, specifically pork pies. But some kind of meat pies are called, what, dog's eyes? Oh, that sounds good. Nelly Bly? Okay. And how about a Nazi spy? Yes, I sure, sure could go for a Nazi, spla, Nazi spla, a Nazi spy. Or how about some lunch? Judy and Punch, or a kidney punch, which is even more, more appealing. This is just some of the rhyming slang that's around in the world. Now, speaking of English and speaking of pies and speaking of cows and speaking of milk products, there is a candy bar. I'm going to see if I can play this for you, see what happens. If it doesn't work, I'll just babble on for a while. Let's see what happens if I, if I do this. Here, here we go. This is come up. Oh, okay. My screen. Okay, there, there's this commercial. Let me, let me get to this point here. Here's the deal. deal. Uh, I was in Meyer recently shopping for stuff, and much to my surprise... I found this candy bar called a Yorkie, which is a British candy bar, and it said on it, it's not for girls. It's as underlined not, it says it's not for girls. And it has on it a little, sort of a, what would you call it, crosswalk image of a girl wearing a purse, and it's circled and then the line goes through it. It's an international road sign. It's an international road sign, says Arnold. Now, it's not for girls. Now, now I would love to tell you, well, you should go to YouTube and look look up the It's Not For Girls Yorkie commercial. You should look up other Yorkie commercials, too, because, in fact, it is a question as to why somebody would do something like that. Well, here's the deal. Yorkie used to have these really old macho commercials in the 1970s. I watched them. They're very funny, ironically, and, you know, Gee, the Yorkie, it's really macho, you know, something like that, but not really coming out and saying macho. Nonetheless, that's what they were, very macho. And recently they've had some commercials for Yorkies saying it's not for girls. I think maybe they're parodying themselves, they're, they're making fun of their image. And so they have a young girl who's trying to dress up like a, a hardy pirate and say all kinds of stuff and look like a man and try to get past the, the guy who's selling the Yorkie at the counter. And she almost gets the candy bar until... He fools her. 
and says some. What did he say? He said something to the effect of, "Oh, the York, your eyes look beautiful when they're reflected off a of Yorkie." She said, "Really?" He said, "Ha, you're a girl. This is not for girls." So. That's the thing about Yorkies. I guess they're not for girls. And it's a strange thing. But if you go to the YouTube website, you can actually take a look at those things. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and we've had so much, so much to babble about for the last half hour. I've been Mike. Did I tell you we were broadcasting from inside of a lunchbox, in fact? A double-wide lunchbox? Well, it's true. So we've been talking about all kinds of stuff. But one thing we've been talking about, just to mention again, the heirloom tomatoes. And you can go to a project by project. You can go to... A place where you they can teach you how to put one word after the other until you get to the end of a sentence. But you can also go to a workshop this Saturday on preserving heirloom vegetable varieties put on by Project Grow. And you can find out about that at projectgrowgardens.org. They're going to have a seminar at the Leslie Science and Nature Center at 1831 Traver Road. You might want to just double-check to make sure they're still available. There's a registration now calling 996 3196 to find out about that. Well, I've been Mike for at least some time now. This has been Pandora's Lunchbox, and I'm going to go out with a tune that is also about food and is also by Laura Lee, who we heard from earlier. This is Laura Lee, and it may not sound like a song about food because it actually has a title that is not food-related. The title is, in fact, as follows, Do You Want It? Well, need I say more? This is WCBN FM Ann Arbor, and I hope you continue to do whatever it is you're doing. want it baby come and get it better get it while it's hot do you want it why don't you act like it cause i got a lot everybody comes from miles around cause they know i got the hottest hash in town do you want it baby come and get it you gotta get it while it's hot do you want it well come on and get it you gotta get it while it's hot do you want it why don't you act like it i sure got a lot I got a special sale on stew, written guarantee it'll satisfy you. Do you want it, baby? Come and get it. You gotta get it while it's hot. Now, do you want it? Come and get it. You gotta get it while it's hot. Do you want it? Why don't you act like it? I sure got a lot. Wine is wine, water's water. Look what you can get for just a quarter. Want a baby? Come on and get it. You gotta get it while it's hot. want it come on and get it gotta get it while it's hot do you want it why don't you act like it cause i sure got a lot you can have anything you wish but i'd like for you to try some of my fish do you want it baby come and get it gotta get it while it's hot do you want it come on and get it you gotta get it while it's hot do you want it? Why don't you act like it? Cause I sure got a lot. I got string beans, onions, potatoes, and garlic. If you eat that, it won't give you the colic. Do you want it, baby? Come on and get it. Gotta get it while it's hot. Do you want it? Come on and get it. Gotta get it while it's hot. Do you want it? Why don't you act like it? I sure got a lot. The shortest thing about a hog is his grunt. The best thing about my joint is my hash. Do you want it, baby? Come on and get it. Gotta get it while it's hot. 
I'm selling hash, and that's no trash. Mighty good, so lay it on the wood. Do you want it, baby? Come on and get it. Gotta get it while it's hot. Well, is this thing working? Hello. That was invigorating. Julia Lee. Didn't she call her band uh, Julia Lee and her boyfriends? I think she did. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. That was 